by Zine Art Society and hosted by me, Micah Christensen. I'm sorry we've been absent for the past few weeks. Summer got the best of us, and along with our exhibition that took place uh, in the lead-up to General Conference. But now we are back, and we have several interviews lined up. Today we have an interview that we did with Vern Swanson, Dr. Vern Swanson, a former director of the Springville Museum of Art, a uh, author of more than 20 books, and one of the most influential art historians, critics, curators that uh, has ever um, been here in, uh, in, in our region. And it's hard to summarize Vern. I think you'll see from the interview or hear from the interview that we have uh, how broad his interests are. But in case we missed it, uh, Vern did his master's at the University of Utah in the 70s and then went on to London where he did his PhD at the Courtauld Institute. And he, he established himself quickly as an expert in 19th century art and has written a number of books on those subjects, has sought worldwide, and uh, has collaborated with a number of exhibitions with major institutions like the National Portrait Gallery in London, um, the uh, National Portrait Gallery, the National Gallery in Washington, D.C., and uh, the Royal Academy in London, of which he's also a member. He uh, then came back to Utah where he was the director of the Springville Museum of Art for nearly three decades. And that museum, under his leadership, rose to be a real power in art collecting, in encouraging artists and exhibitions. He's retired from that a few years now, but continues a, 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 a pace that is uh, hard to keep up with of books and uh, projects that he's involved in. He's been a mentor over the years and a good friend. And for this interview, he couldn't pick just one work to talk about. He wanted to talk about three, but they're all related. And uh, I'll let him explain for himself as the interview goes on. Thanks again, and uh, it's good to be back. Welcome to Mormon Visual Culture, Vern Swanson. It's such a privilege to have you here. My good friend, my mentor, thank you. Thank you for inviting me to be with you. I appreciate it very much. And I'm uh, very pleased that uh, you value my opinion enough to ask me some questions. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And, you know, <laughs> we could talk about so many things like so often when you and I get together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the it's all is, over. The question is, what? when do we stop? And yeah. the format of this is usually we, we start with one work. And we talk about it and about um, about the, the 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 career or the collection of the artist or the work of the scholar, and and we we end in about 45, 50 minutes. We'll still hit for the forty five or fifty minutes, but you know, having you on, um, I just I get to brag about you for just a moment, oh, okay? Nice. And I, you know, I know I've said in the introduction a little <laughs> bit about your background, but there's so many things we could talk about with you, right? Your your work not only. Um, is located within this culture of, of culture of Mormonism. You've had a lot to say about it. You've been involved and at the center of it for so long, not only as the director of the Springville Museum for 25 years? 32. 32. How did I miss by seven years? Seven years. That was the So famine. 32 years you were the director, and that is really the hub of contemporary uh, uh, art and living artists in the tradition. Um, you've had a huge influence there. You've been on the Temple Art Committee um, for for a very long time. You've also just been in various kinds of places where you've been involved in the commissioning, the placement, the use, everything of, of that has to do with LDSR. But beyond even our community, you've you've uh, you've had specialties in in uh, in in nineteenth century art and and uh, seen as a an expert on classicism, on English art. And, and then another front entirely of Russian art. I mean, we could be here for a very long time. So the real challenge of our conversation today is staying, staying on, 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 on this. But I also within that, I mean, these conversations, they're not, this is not Handel's Messiah where we have to sing every note perfectly. This is, this is a jazz chart. We get to pick the topic roughly and just bounce around wherever we want to go, right? We've, Absolutely. You, you've given three paintings to us to discuss. And and uh, and let's just start with one of them, even though there's a relationship between all three that we want to discuss. But the first one is the painting Nativity by Brian Kershiznik. It's in the collection of BYU's Museum of Art. 
enormous painting. I believe it's 26 feet long and about nine feet tall. About, yes. And um, first of all, um, let's describe it, and then we'll tell you why. You, then you can tell us why you've chosen it. But let's, let's, just, let's just describe the painting. Do you want to do it, or do you want me to do it? Well, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So we have you got that. We have this enormous painting, and and off center, center right, we'd say, you've got um, the Holy Family. Is what you'd say you know, in 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 old masters circles, right? You have Joseph, who is behind Mary, who is holding the Christ Child, who you really can't see. He's more suggested. Really, you can see the, a little kind of a baby, and then uh, there are two women. nursing even, perhaps nursing. You've got you've got uh, two women who are there next to them, and a dog, which I love old master symbol, which we could we could mm. delve into a little bit, and then really the focus of this is, and they're the focus of dozens and dozens of angels that are surrounding them, swirling around in the air about these figures. Um, as 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 the Holy Family is gathered in this small real estate within the painting, most of the real estate taken up of these angels. Uh, I think you've described it so well. Uh, we can move on to the next painting. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, okay. no that's just that's what <laughs> now, that's what Erwin Bronowski okay. would have called uh, the, 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 the the basic subject matter. It was exactly. a description of their people, exactly. things, <laughs> this in it. Yeah, the who, what, where, and why. So okay. why why did you choose this painting? Uh, well, let me tell you, I chose all three paintings for one reason. Why is that? Okay. Um, yeah, I was an original member of the Art and Belief Movement. Right. Back in 1965, okay? Uh, some people say, oh, no, Vern, it started in 66. And Okay. Well, I was there in 65 when it really had its With Gary Ernest Smith, Dennis Smith, Smith. Trevor Southey. Who am I missing? Dale Fletcher. Dale Fletcher. Uh, the, the number one kingpin. The kingpin was Dale Fletcher. And he, okay. was, he was a professor at the time, right? Uh, he, he, he had was. written kind he of just, a manifesto. He had just uh, come over from being a, uh, a, um, 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 a, a janitor from a junior high school uh, in in Logan area uh, to uh, being a professor at BYU, uh, but don't sell him short. He's a brilliant man, <laughs> you know, well well lettered and well taught. Uh, okay, now uh, all th- it's in the uh, Mormon art and belief movement starting in 1965 six. Um, we had something new on the horizon. Uh, three or four artists, uh, uh, Trevor Southey, who had nothing. No relationship to uh, anything ever being done in Utah coming no. into our culture. He's from Rhodesia, Zimbabwe, uh, Rhodesia. we call it. He goes to England for a time, and then he converts and comes here. here. Totally different iconography. Uh, absol- absolutely. So what happens is, is that uh, he was something new and fresh, and, and but yet monumental and profound. And uh, anybody with an artistic sense could understand that he had something to say. And rather than conform himself to Utah art, he conformed to art to himself, uh, uh, pretty much just uh, stayed in the manner, but only became deeper uh, and uh, stronger uh, as he went. Well, uh, uh, Gary Smith, the same way. Uh, uh, you have to you have to say his general authority name, Gary Ernest Smith. Smith. <laughs> yes, uh, Gary Ernest Smith, uh, um, and uh, he's an Oregonian convert to the church uh, once he got to BYU, but immediately was involved in uh, uh, Dale Fletcher's art and belief movement as was uh, Dennis Smith of Alpine, Utah, uh, the sculptor. And uh, Dennis, not so much with the iconography, but more with the family, just general family. But all three of them uh, were not uh, exactly, they would be Minerva Teichert uh, type uh, of outliers in our visual culture. Uh, they they didn't yeah. exactly They weren't uh, imitating anyone in particular. No. There wasn't a style that was recognizable about what they were doing. And they were all... They were all unique voices. Uh, unique voices in and of themselves. And the artwork that they c- uh, created was unique. Well, okay. So the movement progressed. They became uh, well-known. I remember those heady days. It was um, it was amazing. Uh, in the art department uh, and on the Orange Couch Club, uh, uh, we, we all kind of walked with a lighter step because we knew something was bigger, uh, something bigger was happening, and that the world will be... Uh, 
got uh, um, completely taken over by Mormon artists um, in short order. Why? Why did you think that? Because they said that's what they wanted to do. And just look at Trevor Salvi. The three of them, the four, the four of them, the, four the, of them. the four of them said that's what they wanted to do. And, and yeah. you know, one of the I guess this is maybe my own interjection here as a question, but here you've got maybe um, you don't really have a church at this moment that is using images in to the quantities that we're even close to using them today. Exactly. They don't really have the kind of magazine culture. They don't have the internet for sure. They don't have the same. They've got what they had most recently in 64 was the World's Fair. It was the World's but Fair. But they used... They used Harry Anderson. They used some of his circle as part of it. Yeah. It still wasn't the kind of place that if you were an artist that you could show up to the church office building and say, hey, here's my portfolio. Let's go with this. Uh, well, you could get onto the church magazines uh, a bit, but uh, but what you really wanted to do is become involved with Evans Advertising, who was the artistic arm of the church. They chose the people to be in the visitor center in New York, and then, then it expanded to visitor centers all over the world. Well, Anyway, uh, it looked like we were going to conquer the world. We were this young. Is, I, but this we're is, young. We don't know anything. It's not a practical, this is exactly, no, we're going to do step A, B, and C. It's just, this is going to happen. It's inevitable. Yeah, it's, it had a manifest destiny, and we were excited about it. And, and I have to tell you, it was like being, um, uh, uh, I have never been on drugs, but I hear it's the same. Okay. <laughs> it was a high. It, it was, was a constant high. euphoria. <laughs> exactly. For uh, uh, several years. Well, anyway, um, 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 and it did progress, and they had a festival, and and uh, things were actually moving apace. But actually, you know the difference between a fairy tale and reality? What's that? Uh, logistics. <laughs> okay. Now, they, they, um, they uh, you know, in, in a fairy tale, things just happen to happen, you know, but yeah. in real life, you got to do A, B, and C, right? Okay, right. well, uh, they were really good at planning and dreaming, but the A, B, and C, they really weren't that good. The library show, uh, and then the Mormon Arts Festival. And, so they, uh, they did, for consistently for three or four years, they did an annual show, right? Uh, no, for about uh, 15, 20 years. Really? It was that long? Yeah, yeah, it was uh, up until oh, we the 80s. With I remember talking yeah, with Gary about it, and, and maybe the difference in his mind was a distinction between who was managing it, right? Uh, yeah. So in the beginning, it was more of, it was the inner circle that was managing it, and then it became more and more part of the uh, larger the, institution. Uh, it became a part of the larger institution remarkably soon. Uh, the second show. Okay. Uh, well, that, that first show, remember, was just was just at, at the Salt Lake Library, and, and that was the boys, okay? But then th the very next year, uh, that would be 67. Uh, they had it in uh, uh, in the New Harris Fine Arts Center with Dean Wilwright, and nobody liked Dean Wilwright because he they, he was the opportunist who um, uh, didn't always share their their visions of glory. But anyway, to, to proceed here, um, it was all new, fresh, and exciting, and it was a rebellion against the advertising type art that Evans Advertising was giving the LBS Church. Mm. And and as could be seen in the um, um, uh, uh, New York World's Fair of 64, 5, and 6. So, well, so when you no. say Evans advertising and you're the kind of work that was being seen in the World's Fair, can you give me an example? Are you talking about I, Harry Anderson? I'm talking Harry Anderson, John Scott, uh, Kenneth Riley. Tom Lovell. Tom, and Tom Lovell. Now, now, in retrospect, I look at those artists and they're wonderful. Right. They are really good artists. Right. I mean, and, and I think our youngsters, I mean, remember, they weren't really just academic classical realists. Okay. They were uh, slightly more modernist in their uh, flair. Right. Right. Okay. Right. No. No. But, but, but at the same time, like, is, is these guys, is there a sense of kind of like, what is the church doing? They're missing out on us. Yes. That's is exactly. that the sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. why they're going outside uh, there of were, the there they're, were they're bringing in ringers. They're bringing in ringers who we think are not very good. Uh, the truth is 
they were very good, you know. Right. And this would be, of course, a rejection. It didn't even matter how good they were on some level if they're not us in a way, right? Uh, Yeah. And remember, we had that same thing with Enoch Wood Perry when he came in, done all the portraits in the 1860s, 60s, uh, with uh, the general authorities, took all the money for doing that. And all of our local Utah boys said, hey, what are we, chopped liver? (laughs) You know, and in a way, maybe they were, but in comparison to the quality. But but nevertheless, that's a natural thing to do. And they said, well, use use LDS artists. Well, okay, but the point is, is that it was original art, something new, something exciting. But yeah, like especially with Trevor, uh, based on a long tradition of, uh, you know, Renaissance tradition right through. And so, uh, so it did have a, a tradition behind it, which I would call rusticity. Rusticity, okay. The rusticity, the patina of age. Uh, okay. And then it had that um, 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 uh, a freshness, uh, the um, um, uh, creativity, uh, which uh, 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 I would call verdancy. Okay. Okay, the green. You know. So you can have okay. rusticity and, and verdancy in the same place exactly. magically. With them. Okay. You, oh, yeah, yeah. And, and, when they, and, and when you do, things happen, especially you add it to one more thing, excellence. That'd be quality. So you have rusticity, verdancy, and quality. Hmm. Okay. Uh, hmm. Three things. Get those together and uh, great things happen. Well, you know, um, uh, th- that was uh, that was great. Well, the years passed and um, and um, uh, uh, classical realist tradition came into our culture. We, we didn't have it before. Uh, uh, let's say um, uh, on another 10 years with uh, Bill Whitaker being uh, the spearhead to that. And uh, and that was a very positive mo- uh, movement. And uh, these artists uh uh, in the uh, second, I would say the third wave, by the third wave of the Mormon art and belief, the big stone dropped in this, in the Great Salt Lake, <laughs> and, and the ripples that went out, um, um, uh, and they continue today. Easily the most important movement for art in Utah is the art and belief movement. Nothing compares with it. Really? It's not there's nothing. There's not the, the furor in Logan in the 1920s and 30s. There's, not, there's nothing, okay? Do, so, you, do you see this Kershiznik as a direct descendant a direct, of that? Direct, direct, yeah. He was a student of Wolf Barsh. Okay, he was a student of uh, of uh, of uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, Gary Smith. And, it is uh, it is an is it an so, aesthetic uh, yeah. connection in your mind? Uh, aesthetic, and if so, how so? Uh, well, or is it a philosophical, or is it both? Uh, well, it's both, of course. But um, uh, yeah, it was. Um, it, it, tell me, where's a university uh, it's worth its salt that would have uh, major um, um, uh, and separate? Uh, um, manifestations of a religious art culture. Not too many. Not too no, many. not Maybe too many. Bob Jones University in Asheville, North Carolina. Notre Dame with its program in classicism, no. but it's more about no. classicism than it is about religion. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah. so what we have here is two distinct and strong movements that Dame. came from that. One would be a more classical. You know, we could say um, we can say uh, um, uh, uh, Jeff Hine, although he is independent. You know, he came in uh, otherwise. But uh, Joe Bricky, um, but but mostly through our friend. Um, Bill Whitaker, okay, right. uh, who of course was new and was friends with all the other guys who were not here, and then uh, then a slightly more modernist uh, movement. Well, anyway, but what happens was that uh, they gave something distinctive, okay. Uh, now these th- these four gave something distinctive. Uh, these four, exactly. Okay, so, and, 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 and and do you and think then, you can boil down what that is? Uh, uh, yeah, something fresh uh, uh, that you know when anything uh, maybe challenges the culture. I, I see Minerva Tykert as the first real uh, figurative religious art, uh, the greatest religious artist we had. If, yeah. uh, you know, C.C.A. Christensen, Minerva Teichert, Arnold Freeberg, uh, Avard Fairbank. You know, these are all the, the, the big people that yeah. preceded um, the movement we're talking about. But um, they, they were um, 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 all uh, kind of bold fish. You know, all of them, did, you know, they... they they were not guppies in, in, in this uh, stream. Well, this, this begs they, a... they were strong, uh, incisive, and they had one thing going for all of those artists. What's that? They were emphatic. They were emphatic. Well, yeah. this, no. this begs a question that I have. If you were to look back at almost any 
any movement in art, art historians like us love to come up with isms, right? We love to be able to say, this is, this is now we're going to label this group of people. But there are people who do label themselves. You've got, for instance, the pre-Raphaelites, right? Yeah. They were definitely reacting against what they felt like was a a grand tour, they Sir Sloshua, Joshua Reynolds, they'd call him idea. They were they changed their subjects to be more English. They changed their painting to be a, a, a type that was more detailed, more yeah. more jewel-like in its coloring. You can point to aesthetic well, half of and Raphaelism did. Right, right. Not all of it. Not <laughs> yeah, all of it. You do have half. the Burn Jones and yeah, you have the, the others. Who but you do have these group who you can at least come up with some kind of this is philosophically what they're reacting, what they're trying to do. This is what they're reacting against. And this is the kind of subject and material they're picking. You could do the same thing with the Machiavelli. You could do the same thing with any one of the isms, the futurists, the suprematists, all these other groups. Yeah. I don't know what you do with the Mormon art and belief movement. Oh, and the reason why it's important to figure that out is how do you say Kershiznik is a direct descendant of them if you can't figure out what he's getting from them? Uh, oh well, well, well and I'm not saying it's not true. I I recognize that there's a connection. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out what it is. Okay, now now you've got to remember that, um, um, uh, uh, do, like uh, Gary Smith's um, um, uh, martyrdom of Joseph Smith, okay, right. a death in Carthage jail. Uh, how about um, um, uh, Joseph Smith confronts his critics? That painting, uh, you, you can name a lot of paintings, or Dale Fletcher's Another Treehouse, which is uh, a remarkable addition to... I've never uh, seen it. What is it? Uh, it's a, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's a, it is the manifesto painting of the art and belief movement. Okay, and it's a it's a, a eight feet high, four feet wide, dated nineteen seventy 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 two. Okay, uh, uh, the Springville Museum owns it. Okay, really? we bought it from uh, uh, from the uh, former wife and um, of Dale, and so. Uh, but anyway, so they they. Uh, uh, but there was an interesting thing I got to tell you about. Nobody knows this. Okay, and you'll hear it first. Actually, um, while they were against the stayedness of uh, uh, the um, uh, commercial artists, uh, you know, the illustrators of the uh, of the New York World's Fair Pavilion, um, that's not what they were against. That's not what they rebelled against. You know hmm. what they rebelled against? What's that? Modernism. Oh, they! I got to tell you. And how did they define modernism? What did they see? Uh, well, we'll see. Dale Fletcher uh, was a Bay Area realist. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know David Park and and so forth. Well, anyway, so uh, um, uh, he was trained uh, to be an abstract expressionist and was. And then one day, he wasn't. One day. In one day, it changed. Within a 24-hour period, he changed from being uh, a, a typical 1950s. This would have been 56, 57. You know, abstract right, expressionist right, who's doing... Right in the middle of abstract... Bold color, non-representational uh, work. Non-representational. Heavy, heavy yeah. use of, 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 uh, of brushing, brushing oh, yeah. on it's large canvases. Action painters, right? Okay, yeah. Okay, well... But he, um, why did he react against it? What, did, what changed in him? Was this before he came to BYU or oh, after? Yeah, yeah, no, no. He came in 65. Okay. And so then his change happened in 56 50... or 7. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, uh, you know, and he's, he's driving an ice cream truck, and then he's driving. He's, he has just menial jobs, you know. And His um, real passion, like, there are many people who are like this, is art, but he's doing everything he can. He's not making a living at it yet. Uh, no, because he's an abstract painter. Uh, now, mind you, he had won awards and uh, for it. And um, and um, uh, now his father was a kind of an interesting guy, Calvin Fletcher. Calvin Fletcher and, yes, and, and, his, and, and his mother was Irene. Irene Thompson Fletcher. And they in were fact, both Dale Thompson Fletcher. And they were both um, modernist, important artists. Yeah, they'd been, they worked in New York. We had commercial success. Yeah. Came back to Utah. Were they both Utah State artists? Yeah. And they'd come from Burger Sands End kind of no, school. No, no. Not them directly. No, no, no. no, no, no. Um, 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 they invited uh, you, uh, it, um, Logan. They invited Burger Sands End in 1929 or something. Okay, so he, they to, were they were they, they would that. invite, but they invited a lot of artists uh, right. uh, to there. But they were modernists. But Calvin Fletcher's brother is a Princeton professor named Dr. Harvey Fletcher. So we're talking about a brain trust 
And Dale Fletcher had, had a brain. But I know the time has passed, and we're not even getting to the three paintings. But no, no, maybe no. we shouldn't even. But no, that's the, all right. I let's like let's build I like up the context for it. Okay. Now, uh, and so um, uh, so it was against abstract, uh, the twiddling of the eye and the, and the, uh, and the uh, uh, pessimism of the age. And, and uh, so uh, they wanted an art that was a positive, spiritual, that would uh, build people and the kingdom of God. And they thought that uh, the art was lagging and that once we uh, threw in the art component, we would get to the kingdom of God on the face of the earth um, um, a decade earlier. Or, okay, so let me... Uh, let me, let me they had a real... Uh, let me interject large. some art historical nonsense for a yeah. moment. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so not art, it's, it, it, I've been watching the the Vietnam documentary series that that that's been by Kim Kim Novick and and Ken Burns. Kim Novak, the um, artist? Novick, Novick, oh, the, Novick uh, yeah. the the, yeah. the the producer, and yeah. and and uh, it it gives a lot of context that about just the spirit of the age that was going on in Vietnam. And and how de- how dark there was the, the lack of confidence in the system, and Robert Hughes, the the yeah. the, the the art critic, the Australian art critic, he once said that the, that the language of modernism was was revolution, protest, and irony, uh, and it has its place. Re- revolution, protest, and irony has its place, but the thing that kind of is remarkable, and maybe this is the com this is a common thing that they had. Maybe it's not the common thing you were thinking of, but. The common, the common, um, the zeitgeist of yeah. their era was an art that was about protest, that was about irony, that was about was about angst and revolution and overturning, and so to have, and to have Mormonism in the midst of this, which is ultimately an optimistic, yes. um, an, an optimistic idea, and to try and express that in art. Is there some aspect of the idea that Dale Fletcher could not express in the language of what he had come to know himself as okay. protest and revolution no, no. and, and uh, that uh, kind uh, of thing? Uh, I mean, that's Dale the art Fletcher, historical nonsense. I know I'm stretching. Well, uh, Dale Fletcher was protesting the protesters. Okay. I mean, in other words, he was against that dissidence, uh, dissonance. Uh, and dissidents. Okay, uh, so he he was not. Uh, what he wanted was an art that would uh, 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 clean. It had a clarity, uh, uh, not with so much enigma, uh, following Ruskin's idea of um, uh, reject nothing in nature, and change nothing in nature. You just see, you do it. Okay, and let it filter through, and it'll be original enough. Well, yeah. Okay. Now, now, not all the boys that he, had, the three guys that were the main. I mean, there were others. I mean, uh, yeah. Grant Lund, Larry Presswich. Uh, okay. Um, but but the, 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 there were some important women who were involved in it too. Uh, right? Well, there's Carolyn Pearson. Carolyn Pearson. That's the only one. Name. Yeah. Okay. No others. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now, um, and and she was more of a poet, and and that. Now, Gerald, her husband, was a sculptor. Yeah. Uh, but but. Minor figure, very minor figure in sculpture, but um, uh, so it was. It was a protest against the times of Vietnam, not against the establishment, but against the uh, the forces of deterioration and corrosion that they felt was uh, bringing uh, bringing things down to a uh, a crisis point. So this is and this is Zion as a solution. Zion as a solution. That's absolutely right. Okay, now, but but uh, okay, but what happened? Well, as things went, and as um, um, uh, uh, temples were being built and art was being painted for the temples, uh, we begin to see that. You remember when all uh, commercial illustrators went to art school, right? Okay, yeah. and then and then uh, now, right now. Uh, uh, all uh, artists go to commercial art schools. Okay, all realist <laughs> okay. artists go to commercial art schools. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, except for those, uh, the new atelier. By the way, I'm involved in that with the Art Renewal Center. Uh, we have 200 ateliers that we've approved uh, worldwide. Yeah. Um, and that is up from about 35. Not that we approved, but that existed. Right. Uh, there really is a new, re- a new, a, re- a, a new movement, a new movement, and that's yeah. a really positive uh, thing, I think. Well, anyway, um, and so what began to be produced, 
and that's the that's the sad thing, is uh, a a certain amount of of uh, uh, there were uh, nineteen thousand Christ with the children and another twenty two thousand uh, paintings <laughs> of, uh, of, uh, of 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 uh, uh, Christ healing the sick. You're you're talking about in what time frame? Uh, I'm talking about any month uh, of <laughs> in 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 Zion. Okay. In other words, the artwork became boring. Yeah, you're, you're not <laughs> yeah. talking about actual numbers. No, but, no, but just I'm talking feeling, about I'm just talking about bardic numbers. This, like yeah, if I was a bard, uh, yeah, you know, this act, this this feeling of just like there's this this there's almost a malaise. a monotony of, yeah. of 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 depictions yeah, that you start in, to glaze over because yeah, they're exactly. self-referential and yeah. it became a little uh, to me. Uh, and so uh, you know, uh, that's, you know what? Can I just say for a second? This is interesting to hear you say this. Because as someone who most people look at your resume or or even some of the things that you're very interested in, and they think of somebody who is a hardcore, orthodox, dyed-in-the-wool academic who will defend academic and traditional representational work to the point of absurdity, potentially, right? Mm-hmm. And not that I'm thinking of any particular moment, right? <laughs> yeah. But but here you're saying... Oh, you a, know me! <laughs> but here you're saying in, in a way that, that this becomes the predominant critical mass of the church's work or that, that's being adopted in church culture. Yeah. Yeah. Visual yeah. church culture. I'm not talking about any one a, church or yeah. any one moment. But but over from the period of whatever it is when the Mormon art and belief movement kind of kind of um loses its steam until, you know, throughout the 70s, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, there is a sense of this is what we do, and it's and and you could it would be hard to pick out something individual. Well, and yes, as is that what you're word saying? Becomes more official. Uh, okay. okay. First of all, all intense movements burn out. Okay. Uh, pretty much a hundred percent of them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but all of them leave residual uh, um, um, uh, uh, nuggets. You know, like the forest fire that burns the area, but it also makes the pine nuts open so that it can have the new forest come up quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because it it's opened in the fire. Okay. Uh, that's the thing. Uh, you know. So it's not like I don't see uh, tradition as the worship of ashes but rather the perpetuation of a flame. Hmm. Okay. Um, and so, so uh, you know, nothing totally dies out. It just goes dormant. And, and then under the right conditions, it flares up again. And thus we have successive uh, uh, waves of, of, uh, of the Mormon art and, uh, and belief movement. Okay. Well, uh, so there are artists um, uh, who are right now uh, um, uh, above the rest in quality, okay, that we have working in the church. Um, who's the greatest woman artist in the church? Doing, doing um, I, I'm not talking uh, doing um, artwork like you'd find in New York or San Francisco, but doing uh, LDS religious culture. Who would you say it is? Um, okay, I've got a couple. Go um, Rose Dadak Dahl. Rose Day Talk Doll, yeah, yeah, yeah. I put her Amazing. as um, kind of a, a revival of um, Minerva Tiger, but but her work's so so totally different that wouldn't be fair to her. Yeah. But but still, uh, we're talking large scale, lots of power, own style, great themes, yeah. uh, and and has a certain prolific quality to it. And those are the keys for an artist being above the rest. So you said a couple. Who is that? Yeah, well, I'm thinking Catherine Peterson, uh, who was an illustrator for um, mm, um, um, uh, the church magazines yeah. for years, and uh, I think she's uh, uh, teaching here. Kath- Kathleen Peterson, yes. I said uh, Kathleen Peterson. Yeah, 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 what did yeah, I say, yeah. Catherine? Uh, yeah, yes, I, yes, yeah, yes, oh, yes, yes. Uh, Kathleen, yeah. of course. Yeah. I mean, I know her well. Yeah, and, I know. I know you do. And, uh, I know you do. And you, so, yeah. and so, uh, so in this, to be a part of the mix, you have to do religious art. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of there's people who who did a religious painting. I remember. Yeah. I I barely remember it, but but they did one. Um, well, um, and so these are two people who did I, who, did I say, wait? Let me let me get this right. Eric's jumping in. Is it Catherine? It's Kat. It's Kathleen. 
Kathleen. Kathleen. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's okay. Kathleen. Very okay, good. good. I've got I've got our, my fact checker here because I some because I <laughs> yeah I know. I, I, well, <laughs> and then once you challenge yeah, me, yeah. I go oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I'm really great at my facts yeah. until you challenge me. <laughs> okay. Well, but here's no, the thing. but you know her very well. But here's yeah. the thing. Those artists are original and, and quite uh, quite excellent. Uh, now uh, there's some legit uh, some more realist artists coming on now, and remember, uh, classical realism is a tradition that had died in America a lot. And I mean, it had gone uh, uh, down underneath the radar and now is, uh, is asserting itself. And we can look at maybe Genevieve Page is, is uh, coming, doing some very interesting uh, coming things. Coming along, know. you know, very, very, yeah. very well. Uh, okay. But, Mary Sauer. And Ma oh, yeah. Sorry, uh, Mary Sauer. Uh, wonderful. And now, okay, I picked. So what I wanted was, uh, you know, Jean-Jacques Joseph Tissot. Yeah, uh, James Tissot. Yeah, he did the uh, Tissot Bible, um, and there's uh, I think there's roughly 400 of about 350 paintings for that Bible are in the Brooklyn Museum. Uh, BYU had this show, right. uh, a magnificent show of maybe uh, 180 or something. The New Testament works are at the are at the Brooklyn Museum. The oh. Old Testament works are, are at the um, at, at the um, uh, Jewish Museum. Because they didn't want the New Testament, they wanted the Old Testament, <laughs> yeah. and then but there they are, accidentally then there are the wrong one. There, there are two <laughs> works that belonged to the Jewish Museum that they gave to the Morgan Library that the Jewish Museum didn't want. So there, it's broken up between three. So when we, when BYU did it, they got the Brooklyn Museum New Testament works, but now there's an effort, I think, to, to get, uh, yeah. I think they're getting. The Old Testament borrowed BYU is to have good. to from both the, the 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 Jewish Museum in New York and the Brooklyn and the Morgan Library. Okay, well, there's the old question: Who did the who illustrated the greatest Bible? And uh, is it to, the Tissot Bible? Is it the Alexander Beda Bible, or is Gustave it the Doré. Gustave Doré Bible? Yeah, you see those three, and I say. I have to go, even though I've been a Doré fan since I've been uh, just a baby, really, because um, um, I had that Bible uh, reprinted, and um, uh, I have to go to Tissot. Now, what is, am I so excited about Tissot? Have you noticed, every time you look at a subject, uh, be it uh, a supper at Emmaus, on the way to Emmaus, Christ and the cross, oh, okay, crucifixion, it's done with a special viewpoint that nobody else has done. See, I'm asking for originality in in content, yeah. uh, okay, and uh, and not just originality in and how you slap the painting on your your mark or whatever, right? right. Okay, in style, okay. Uh, and you feel like Tissot's was of those three, every, the one that, that was every one of them was a new thing. Oh my! Whether God. it's Christ looking from the cross towards the crowd, the crowd. Whether it's the Annunciation that was done yeah. in a particular way. Yeah, uh, which is, uh, by the way, that's my least favorite. <laughs> which one, the Annunciation? The Annunciation. I can't stand that angel. But, yeah. but nevertheless, and nevertheless, it's different. Still than, original. Still it's original. still original. Yeah. And so I was looking for originality, what I call the religious imagination. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I, I so when you asked me to speak here, I said, well, I, I want to talk about the religious imagination. Artists doing fresh subjects, not yeah. the same old, same old, you know? Yeah. I mean, Christ with the children is a great subject. I love it. You have a great one here. Yeah. You know, I love it. I yeah. absolutely. But, uh, but can we move on and do something different? So uh, let's speak specifically about what makes Kershiznik's okay. original, which, by the way, yeah. while we were talking, Eric texted Ashley Whitaker to get the exact dimensions. Which he got, who's the, she's the, at the, the curator at BYU. And she said it's seven and a half feet tall by 17 feet wide. Yeah. So I was off. I was off yeah. on my numbers. But no, it's good. But yeah, so monumental okay, in its now, scope. Here's a monumental painting. So, so I said, I said, uh, I first saw the painting at the church um, uh, office building. We were trying to get it into a temple. Okay, which is kind of crazy because it probably wouldn't even fit in, his, in many spaces. And it was and it was uh, uh, used drawing pins to hold it up on the wall. Yeah, they put drawing pins up because there's no frame on it; it had never been framed, right? Well, anyway, I looked at that. We all agreed it was the greatest painting that had ever been painted since the Mormon Giotto. And uh, the who's Mor the Mormon Giotto? Who is, who is it? Yeah, what is it? 
CCA Christensen. CCA Christensen. Okay. Right? Okay. okay. I've just the never, Mormon Tiato. I've never heard of an approach to Well, him. I kind of made that up. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. But, <laughs> I mean, actually, Giotto thought so. Yeah. Oh, no, he didn't see in the future. But anyway, <laughs> so anyway, so um, um, if you, you what see, made it in your mind? What do you think? If you had to distill, what oh, made that oh, the greatest oh, painting? Uh, well, well, first of all, um, 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 it, the, it, it consumed every, it, you couldn't think of anything else. It, it, it drew your attention to it, not just because it was screechy or, 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 or because the color is bright or whatever, but because the spirit of the painting uh, drew you to it and moved you. And we were all moved. We looked there, and, and I just stood there. I went, so tell me, what who has is, happened? Who is the we size? again? Who is we again? Uh, it would be the Temple Art Committee. I mean, and that, this was, it's a, he's, he's, this is one of the things that totally perplexes me about this painting. I love this painting. Yeah. Is who is he making it for? Uh, but you know what? He didn't make it for anybody. That's, the, for that's the thing. He, he, is it? What do you do? Here you're living in a community. I mean, you it's 2010, he makes it. 2010. Yeah. There's no, there's, you, there's no, where, where are you going to put it? Right? It's not going to go into a gallery. It's not, it's not meant to be reduced down to an 11 by eight and a half. Well, it, 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 you know, it actually pretend. is. Is it uh, really? It's in prints that are maybe a little bigger than that. Well, I mean, maybe it's seen, it's seen that uh, way 14. quite a bit. But I mean, like, yeah. but, but he could have painted it to that scale. No, you couldn't have painted right? it. Right. And so why do you make this enormous painting? It was, it was something that he clearly had an idea as an artist. And yeah. we've got an interview. I was with Brian last night and we talked about doing an interview and I'm going to probably ask some of these questions to him directly that we don't know the answers to but it is and I don't know the answer but it is a very interesting it's 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 a fascinating question as to why in 2010 is a monumental work like this being made before there's an actual destination for it and I love that that happened it is a gutsy gutsy choice why was it painted on spec in essence right yeah uh, I think um um from what I understand, and, and, and you'll, you'll talk to, to Brian and, and get this detail, but um, I just think that um, it, it had its own raison d'etre. It just had to be. It had to exist. And, yeah. and, and, and I'm thinking he didn't really paint is this picture as you know that brush that walt disney the wonderful world of color and that painting brush and it goes like and it's and it switches back and forth yeah. and the scene appears yeah i have a feeling that's <laughs> that it one just, of those <laughs> that, that it i just, love it it, it just, just kind of it, it just, just appeared you know and he gets to the end and and you know and and voila well well this also goes as a direct comparison to the mormon art and belief movement is there is a certain level of impracticality impracticality and and just sure gusto that goes into the making of this an idealism yeah. that is uncontainable but it does not have steps a b and c laid out of what's going to happen with it and isn't it um, um the the something born of years of faith something born of uh, a certain uh, entering the gate of the garden of gethsemanes for each of us mm. that that uh, we build in ourselves uh, like we're a, a reservoir and it builds up in us and finally it just comes out and so yeah. uh, this period in brian's life was not an easy period I don't it's, want to get into any detail but no, but, but, no so, but so so this was, and i don't know the details of it but it but I don't know what 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 didn't make it easy um, on a personal level, but on a commercial level, it's he, not easy. It's it's also not easy for him because he's also it, this work isn't necessarily, but he is a successful, established, known person at this time, and the cynicism of a lot of people when it comes to artists who are who who become well known and established is they're just going to paint the same kind of thing and not be experimental because now they figured out what their brand is and they're going to paint to their, to their market. Right. Yeah, yeah. And this is not a piece that's painted to its market necessarily. I mean, always the work always looks like him because it's who yeah, he is it's, it's typical on some of his level work in but, its own way, but, uh, but the scale yeah. and the ambition of it, this is not something that's meant to go into a, into David Erickson's gallery. Yeah. That's a, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a smaller building. Bless David Erickson for being Who's so, great... uh, um, helpful, uh, in allowing him a, a, a normal dealer would have said, 
What are you doing? Listen, I could sell uh, paintings all day if you'll just paint the right paint. Paint what everybody yeah. buys. Yeah. And, and so this painting, uh, but but David uh, saw it through. And uh, uh, but but here's the thing, uh, we have the angels. It's basically like a river flowing left to right. Okay. And you see the angels to the left, uh, and they're looking in um, an anticipation, and then they're looking right down. At, um, see, this could be almost uh, titled Beholding Salvation um, because the angels are, are excited and then they, they, you see them in the center kind of looking down on the scene directly and then as they flow by because, you see, all paintings, not all paintings, but most paintings of the uh, nativity have angels. Right, one place or another, uh, and and, and uh, well, this is angels and spades on this one. I don't know. Uh, there are a couple hundred angels there at least. Uh, there are, you know, and I was trying to count the other day, and I counted at least um, eighty. And here you've got, you've you've got this flowing, like you said, from left to right, and the ones that are that are on the left as you yeah. approach the the savior, the 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 the, the Christ child, uh-huh. they're all. Trying to get get a look at him. Yeah, they're all kind of. And open. those that have just passed him are then tears. They have tears, clear. and they're and they're proclaiming. They're they're sounding out loud yeah, what's yeah. going on. Yes, and and um, the the humans are not aware of the angels, except Joseph has got this very interesting pose that he's taken, and and the dog, the dog who traditionally in old masters, Fidelity. I don't know if, if Brian has chosen this is. A, Symbol of fidelity and loyalty, loyalty, who's there, and and people like Tintoretto would regularly put him in, put a dog in the images. So but would, did he ever so put? Well, is there any in an enunciation? I've never seen. I've never one. seen one either. Uh, which which is I, I love. That's 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 uh, art historical jazz. He's just he's throwing in symbols where it feels it. like where it feels good, yeah. right? And it makes sense. It makes per, it makes sense to have that loyalty there. And the dog sees the angels as they're flowing out of the painting. What do you think's going on he's with the hearing? I, I know we're getting into interpretive. We're getting past uh, yeah, composition yeah. and formal elements. But if we talk about this well, idea of why, why do you think? What does that say to you? Because I, for some reason, really relate. Yeah. To there's Joseph a, is going. This there's hey, this separation. Uh, of, he's saying oive. You think he's <laughs> you think he's saying oive? Yeah. To me, it has to. It, to me, when I look at it, I relate to the Joseph more than I do almost. Any other because the other two, uh, the, 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 he the, is almost a witness and a participant to what's going on. He's not as much a participant as he is a witness to everything that's happening. And there's something about that hand covering that that is about blindness to the full picture. That is a that says more about me potentially than about the intent of the artist. Absolutely. But this is also one of the geniuses of of Kersiznik's work, is that it is. It is a kind of of interpretive um, promiscuity. <laughs> That's not no, the right word no, I'm bad looking word. for. Bad word. Bad word. Uh, no, interpretive, interpretive imagination. How about? No, it's 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 the word I'm looking for. Is is it's it's the idea that there is a freedom to interpret on the theme that he's presented before you, where there. And I, it, this is such a magical mix. Not all artists reach it, right? And it has very little to do, in my opinion, with realism or non-realism it has or the representation or non-representation it's really the ability to compose a narrative in such a way that people can look at it and draw their own conclusions and relate to it in their own on their own level while also realizing that there's something that isn't them that's not them right now, have you ever heard of the uh, uh, saying um the, the saying goes like this, uh, the wild hand of the artist. Okay, now generally the wild hand of the artist is you're painting along and then all of a sudden you get some rain, you go like that and you just paint along and you don't even know you put a big splash of color over there or over there. Even sometimes in very uh, t- traditional uh, classical painting. Well, well, somehow he's just in his painting just accidentally painted a dog and, and you know in other words it just as a uh, uh, is uh, uh, the wild hand of the artist that makes everything beyond the tadre and the mundane that mm. takes it to another level and i think that because uh, i can't remember a dog uh, and uh, joseph is never portrayed that way 
Never. No. Not, not the virgin. Not that I know of. And you the can, virgin is very, is very, is very. Uh, yeah, typical. it's a tra- it's a traditional moment. Okay. No, we've we've got just a few minutes left. And, no, no, we got to get two and, more and paintings. We, and we you've got two other going. paintings that you chose for similar reasons. The other one, the other two. Let's just mention okay, let's what go. they are. One is J. Kirk Richards' painting, and we've got a specific uh, uh, title for it, which is. Um, let me make sure I've got it right here. It is. Um, Christ. It is cross? surely he hath borne our griefs, ah. is the title of it, and it is Christ carrying the the cross beam of beam. the cross exactly, and and then the other one you have is one that that we'll get the image of. I don't have it in front of me, but you've got I special it. access to it. It's a, it's a piece by Walter Rain called "Unto Us," and it's Christ the Christ child laying in a, on the manger uh, on the straw, uh-huh. and it's going to be visible at the Springville Museum's next spirituality show and religious in a, show in a week or so. that opens up in a, in, a, in a week. And so we'll have images of all of these okay. that we'll now, put now, up let's, let's jump to that. Let's jump to J. Kirk Richards. Okay. okay. So you can see uh, uh, the boldness, the freshness, the uh, religious imagination that Brian Kershisnik has given us. Now, okay, how many paintings, how many crucifixions have you seen in the church? I mean, in the LDS church. Carrying the cross. Uh, carrying the cross is, it is extremely such, rare. For so many people, it is a it is a Catholic defined image. Even for you know, even for Protestant religions in general, this idea of Christ carrying the cross, Saint Veronica going to wipe yeah, his well, face. Yeah, well, that would be si- uh, Simon yeah. carrying his, his yeah. the, the Christ. Well, no, we Simon do, would be uh, scriptural, and they could do that. Scriptural, but, yeah, but, but it doesn't happen a lot. But we well, just don't. We just but don't we do just it. We just don't do that. And and people say we don't talk uh, in church about the uh, uh, cross, you know. Okay, but guess what? Of our forty, um, did you know our forty or fifty uh, sacrament songs? Uh, Forty-nine out of fifty mention the cross. And nothing else. You know, if you go back, I did this once as an uh, exercise. It sounds like you and I have been on a similar one. path. Is in that memory of the crucified. For, for all of the times that we've talked about how we don't emphasize the cross, not oh only our God. hymns, but in Scripture, in reference, oh. both, both not just the New Testament, but also the in the Mormon. Book of Mormon oh, and yeah. in the Doctrine and Covenants, yeah. the, the, this, we mention almost two to one in our, in our canonical works, hymns, and pre—I I just did this as a search— 2000 going back in general conference reports cross is mentioned and crucifixion and it's synonyms oh, yeah, yeah. So almost do two to one right so no. there is this belief that we don't well if talk you say about well it, why but, don't we ever paint to, uh, the the carrying of the cross or christ on the cross well um did you know that in the 19th century i can only find maybe eight maybe nine or ten images of christ in the 19th century by LDS artists. By, by LDS artists. So you're talking. So those nine or ten would be CCA Christensen, and he would be eight or nine, and then there would be there would be uh, uh, JT Harwood, who wasn't really LDS. No, so you're not no, counting no. him. And and that was painted really in 1903. But so you're uh, talking about uh, Wagland. Uh, is there, is there and, Evans? And, 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 uh, no. Uh, well, well. Uh, uh, no, no, Evans. Okay, sorry, I won't tell. Okay, I won't. well, it'll be uh, Ottinger. 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 Yeah. Okay. So so maybe have nine or ten. That's that's uh, sixty years. I mean, seventy years, right? right. Uh, in the nineteenth century. Well, anyway. So, but here's the yeah. thing: how many paintings in Christendom have you ever seen Christ painting the cross, uh, Christ carrying the crossbar, and not the whole cross? Right, which is exactly how it would have been because he was yeah. he was because because the cross crossbar. is is fixed in a place because this is a place of execution but, yeah. that's used with some frequency okay. and 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 they take that cross beam and they put him it on onto it. the piece that's the piece that right. he carry they, travels they with them now so what happens is is that it, i have read it in literature on the on the crucifixion about well christ may have just carried the beam okay now somehow here's an lds artist who has um uh, we probably um, I, I don't think it's in any of our major literature uh the infinite atonement uh, by uh tad callister um the mortal messiah by by mcconkie or jesus the christ uh, by talmage, uh, by talmage. Uh, none talk about it uh, okay so but it is i just read it in a, in a side article you know as an aside and then i saw that painting and i had come home i thought finally somebody has stretched the religious imagination uh, to the point that we could understand it probably was like you say the cr- beam not the 
post that he was carrying. Yeah. And, uh, and yet, we're all so hidebound in, uh, uh, you know, artists sometimes are not very original. You know, uh, uh, um, um, uh, Soroya becomes popular, so, so uh, 100,000 artists begin to paint uh, girls on a beach. Okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. with a parasol. Okay, you know, it's, 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 it's crazy like that. So do you, do you well, feel we, like um, when you look at Krzyznik, not Krzyznik, uh, but I'm Jake Richards doing this, is this part of, how does this relate to the Mormon Art and Belief movement? Oh, I think it's, it, it. I think it's it's like part and parcel. I mean, uh, and uh, why? Uh, uh, but Jay Kirk Richards could have been there with us in 1965, six. I mean, and 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 of course he would have been amongst the best of them, right? Okay. Yeah. And uh, as we left at the reception here a few weeks ago, uh, I walked out and 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 I I didn't see Kurt here, but but he slapped me on my back as I went out and we started talking, and I said. Uh, Kurt, you are the bravest of all LDS artists hmm. because you're willing to paint a painting that isn't necessarily successful to get that want to stretch and get that one that really has something to say that pushes it. And I said, so, I said that uh, uh, courage is not one of the seven uh, uh, virtues. I said, but I've made it the eighth virtue, and it's the rarest of them all. And I said, and you have that because only the mediocre are always at their best. And I said, <laughs> you're willing to be unsuccessful to be great. So here you've got another. And I think, so, he, so, I think he appreciates so that. So now the art historians, I'm sure he did. Now, yeah. the, now the art historians, the art historian in me wants to write into my ism of Mormon art and beliefism. <laughs> <laughs> as a as a as a topic is that it is it is impractically idealistic uh, that, that, on some level, right? Is that, that an aspect of it is that, I mean, is that who would buy a nude flying through the air? Yeah, in the, Mormon culture. Yeah, and, 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 and here's and here's not only a, a who wants a painful subject of uh, Christ bearing a cross. Yeah, and and it's also something that. It's. Uh, I wonder if he still owns that. If the, you know, it's something that I don't know where it is, and I think it's something that we have to. I would almost they, like to buy that. And I'll that tell painting. you one thing that's interesting about it, I'm even as we it. led us to this discussion, is that you and I. You told me the piece you wanted. I find it online by typing Richards, Christ carrying the cross. It's on a website that is run in Japan by a person who's a Japanese Christian who's collected art and writes in French, and he. And a French woman titled it with her own title and put it on his website as a suggested image that should be used in his collection. So here you've got LDS artist working in, in English, Japanese um, Christian, I don't know what denomination, and a French Christian who have all, who have all come around this piece for its imagery. And, and I kind of wonder on some level, how palatable would this image be to the vast majority of Mormons in general? Well, and we're, I, not we're, that we're I care, hated Minerva, not that that's right? the most important thing. Minerva was hated yeah. until just, just since you've been alive. You know? So so okay so let's get to our okay, third now, one because now fine, we're, we're, okay, we're now, let's, now oh, we've got a Walter Rain now, titled okay, into, into you us. Ready? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna look. So let's at spend this. a couple minutes on it. Uh, oh, a couple of minutes. Have I know a we couldn't. Hours. I know that's. I know that's, that's unfair. Impossible. Okay, Jay. Uh, uh, I think the grand painter of uh, Mormon uh, art or or, or 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 religious art in Mormonism, you know, uh, Christian art, um, is uh, Walter Rain uh, because of the sheer amount that he's done uh, and the. Uh, um, um, uh, the the it's it's complexity it's it's um, uh, um, diversity it's uh, um, it, it's scope uh, that he has uh, uh, done far more than any other artist uh, I bet you he's done um, uh, 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 fifty times more than Brian has done and um, and and has done more uh, because he's older than than Jay Kirk Richards Jay, Jay Kirk Richards does quite a bit. You know, yeah. but 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 uh, Walter's done a lot. He painted this painting, oh, maybe forty-seven by forty-seven or or thirty-six by thirty-six. But um, it's a square painting. It shows the uh, you can see it's the manger, uh, and 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 so the manger is just to the left, the trough, and uh, and you can see some animals, uh, okay, uh, there their feet, and you can see Joseph's feet because you're kind of looking down, okay. But but 
but uh, the Christ child is on the on the, the the floor where the hay is, okay, and and she set down a, a rag, and she's changing his diapers. Changing the diapers of Jesus Christ. The painting is titled "Unto Us." A child, child is given, and his name shall be wonderful, <laughs> wonderful. Prince of Peace, uh, 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 God. Yeah. And you couldn't pick a more prosaic, humble, humble moment. A humble place, a humble action. He's having his diapers changed by the Virgin Mary. I would like to have had mine. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. but, uh, first of all, have you ever seen one artist in the history of the world paint that subject of changing diapers? Did it ever happen? I know Christ never cried because the little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes, you know? I mean, because yeah. the, the poem told us that, of the song. No, but anyway, yeah, Christ cried. Christ, uh, well, uh, Christ know, had dirty diapers. It strikes me as being the, the ultimate. It is an unbelievable leap of imagination. But it is also, I would argue, and this is, again, this is Micah, right? So this doesn't necessarily yeah. say uh, this way, is how it uh, is. Micah alert. Micah alert. <laughs> it's Micah alert. <laughs> this idea that as Mormons, we have a reaction against pomp and ceremony in our rituals in a way. Yeah, but we don't want to be and, too low. And, and, and yeah, we don't want to be too low, but we also, one of the distinctions of Mormonism is the idea that that the most basic, humble, everyday actions are as sacred as the most grand, remarkable actions. And so in this adoption of, 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 of in our own exploration, our own evolution as artists, when we've adopted people like Heinrich Hoffman and Karl Bloch, which come from a very long tradition mm -hmm. and an excellent tradition of, 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 uh, of making sacral works of art, works that are often used in ritual spaces, the thing that we haven't adopted as easily is works of art that express our own kind of religious idea as Mormons that God's found in, like, what's that term that, that President Bednar, Bednar says? The tender mercies? Tender mercy art, right? It's this idea that, that it's, it's the, and, and maybe I'm, I'm going to coin that. I'm going to trademark that. Let's get it. No, the tender, no I'm that's kidding. actually been trademarked by a few other people. <laughs> <laughs> and it but it's is that idea that, that there's this there's this there's this moment that we can all relate to that everyone who looks at that image can relate to Mary and Christ on a common level. But if you were Catholic, you would not want that as your ideal. Your ideal is to take you almost platonic in the sense that you want the you want to to be taken out of earthly things to the highest, most idealistic, impossible, imaginative level of what life is. So for him, to, for that to be part of our tradition in art, which I don't see that much, but to have him put it distill that that yes, doctrinal right. and and Mormon perspective into art is a fascinating. Any church that would make Jesus Christ our brother would at some level love to see Mary changing uh, Christ diapers. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, a, that, it's a certain prosaic um, um, a realness uh, yeah. that, that I think we, and, and plus the painting is done so consummately painted, you know, uh, he is a great academic painter and, and uh, a Baroque painter in his own way. But uh, that's a, then that, I think that's a very apt approach. I mean, yeah. He's somebody who, focuses on the figure in the drama of a moment yeah. and he and he fills the canvas often with the figure uh -huh. to the edges in the way that a broke artist would he yeah. uses gesture and in a way flying, that's very the, strong the, the diagonal and, and and we yeah. you know we but we here. put a pot we had an interview with him that we put up as one of our our podcasts and one of the things that kind of surprised me about him and also that surprises me that you're grouping him with the other two and about for, for the reason in general. of religious imagination. Yeah, isn't in it, other words, he is going beyond yeah. what he sees. All, As nobody, I just want people to paint paintings that nobody's ever painted right. before. And all of these, of the same all subject, of, all of these guys, and they're and, and admittedly, Walter would say this more than almost anybody. He's a lone wolf. He, he he works in Harlem. He lived in Oregon for a while too, and he deliberately he said, "I do not want to be." influenced or even really want the opinions of other people other than maybe just my wife um to to, to be looking at it and and he's yeah i would think if you would say about kirk richards and brian kershiznik yeah. 
that those two are very tied into the community. But even as they're tied into the community, they have original voices yeah, and personalities. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're both strong people. Yeah, and, it's it's a very yeah. it's it's a fascinating. And and maybe that's also I mean we're we're now we get, we we gotta and we gotta cut our time cut our okay. time but well, I do but and I want to share a thought I want to give you a chance to say the final word, but but this idea that these three are kind of got their own aesthetic aesthetics, they're all working contemporaneously. I remember talking with Gary Ernest about the Mormon Art and Belief movement, and I said so is. Is uh is Dennis Smith looking over your shoulder? Is Trevor Southey? And is he is he touching up your canvas when your brother? Are you touching up their canvases? He said absolutely not. It was almost like he was he was he was upset at even the possibility that even as they're working together, they're all original. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they never even thought of of saying, well, uh, you should uh, paint that a little darker. Uh, 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 I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. They kind right. of all said. Hey, love it. Way to Practical go. Practical advice, yeah, but yeah. not let's all get on the same no, board uh, iconog yeah. iconographically. No, no, right? no, no. Uh, I mean, and to me, there needs to be no reason why uh, Mormon art, uh, that you could look at a painting and say, uh, well, if it's a painting of Book of Mormon, you might, you know, or 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 or, or uh, some uh, scene of piety, maybe on Temple Square or whatever, you could. But, but um, I think it would be great that you couldn't look at it and say, Oh yes, uh, they do a white ground and they put stainy colors over. That's Mormon art. Is this, you see what I mean? Like the pre-Raphaelite. Is this is this choice by by Dr. Vern Swanson, former director of the Springville Museum of Art, a well author, thought out. expert? Is this is this your this conversation a kind of manif manifesto against officialdom? Against a, no, a no, kind, no, no. And I'm not I'm talking about one kind of thing. You know why? Why is that? We need the money. <laughs> Yeah, as artists. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And I got to tell you, bless the, bless the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints because they have, they have poured money. Uh, uh, but it's, it's most uh, donated money for this purpose. It's not tithing money, you know. And um, uh, they have poured a lot of money into their temples. And, and I have to tell you, right now, think of the great artists that uh, uh, the church is now at a point of critical mess. Now, in the in the 60s, we always talked about critical mess. One day the church will have a critical mess and artists will pop out. And you feel like we're there. Yeah. You've I, never been more optimistic. Never. Uh, okay, I've been on the Temple Art Committee. I, I'm now off after 16 years. Yeah, your term's years. over. My term's over. Well, yeah, you're only supposed to be on for three years. Yeah. But, but anyway, so um, I have seen that go from um, uh, a lowly 40% uh, of quality to about a 65% of quality in 15 years. We're getting there. Oh, we're getting there. We're quickly. there and we're getting there uh, even there. more. Uh, right now, I believe that the, uh, uh, the church's artists, LDS artists, are, um, mm, are um, number one in the world. And you know because you are on... All kinds of organizations. You're yeah. traveling the world. Well, and, and, and not only that, I'm doing this book. You know that you're gonna write a chapter for me for um, uh, on uh, on Judeo-Christian art from 1770 to eight at night uh, 2020. I would be, I would be happy to. Uh, you are said we also more. going to have you? Are we? We're also going to have you back to talk about that, right? Yeah. So we're good, we're going to we're going to have to leave it there. And I have well, to say, Vern, looking up, just like all of our <laughs> all of our conversations, there's uh. never enough time. And I feel at the end of this more optimism, more enthusiasm. My mind feels expanded and like it's just it's it's just just such a gift. You are a gift. Uh, uh, Thank you for being willing to somebody come. Somebody called talk. me a treasure and then they said, let's bury him. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I hope. Yeah, you've been wonderful. Thank, Thank you, you so Thank much. You. For Thank coming, you. Love Vern. you, too. You're great. I love you. Appreciate you. I would like to thank Vern Swanson for joining us for this episode of Mormon Visual Culture presented by the Zion Art Society. You can see the work we discussed on our website, zionartsociety.org, under the podcast tab, along with more information about Vern Swanson. For more interviews with artists, collectors, and scholars, subscribe to Mormon Visual Culture on iTunes. I'm Micah Christensen. Thank you for listening.